0: 45 meters back. Bernard Foley's got the It's got the length, the distance. Over! Over!
1: Hi there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby. We are the people's podcast, providing a platform for rugby lovers to come together and support the game that's played in heaven. I'm your host, Mitch. With me is Lockie. No, Ando this week, this is our Western Force preview episode and Ando still is on the fence of whether the Western Force are a Super Rugby team or not, so he didn't show up tonight. But Lockie, you are here, you're keen to chat all things Western Force, aren't
0: you? Well, I'm here because I love the Force, Ando proving once again that he hates the Force, hates the West Coast, all Western Force fans, please send him your hate mail directly. But I'm keen to chat through it, Rich.
1: Yeah, so we are doing things a little bit different this week. Um, normally, in the past few weeks, we have done our interview with uh, a coach or a player in our preview episode first. And then our second episode of the week on Wednesday was our our own previews of the season. We're doing things a little bit different this week. We are only interviewing Simon Cron on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. So we've swapped it around. This is the preview episode. Uh, and the interview with Simon Cron hopefully will come out later in the week. So keep your eyes peeled on our socials for that. We will also put out, once we know when that interview is going to happen, we will also put out um, some graphics on all of our different social platforms asking for your questions. So, Sea of Blue, do keep an eye out for that. Let us know because we want to ask Simon Cron your questions. Uh, That is what's happening. So, what's happening tonight? First up, we do have some Western Force trivia. Uh, Actually, no, not, not even, I don't think we'll do that first. What we'll do, we'll do around the grounds first. So, this weekend we have had some trial games the first round of trial games for super rugby pacific in 2024 we've got the results from the kiwi games we've got the results from the aussie games lucky you were at the west the western force and reds game in ballymore so that's going to be exciting to talk about uh so we'll do that first then we'll dive into some western force theme trivia and then we'll get into our preview we will try and keep things short and sharp and as as much in that 30 minute time frame as we do allow ourselves but there is a little bit of extra stuff to talk about this week so That's about it. Lockie. do you have anything else you wanted to say before we dive into all the rugby action? No, time's precious. Let's go. Let's get into it. This is our Around the Ground segment where we will talk through the results from the trial games for Super Rugby Pacific in 2024. Now... We'll start with the Kiwis first, and this is a little bit different. This is not something we have seen in Super Rugby Pacific for a number of years where we have two, actually three teams from New Zealand who are overseas playing international opposition. So we have the Crusaders are over in Europe. This week they played Munster. They did come away 19-21. Well, Munster came away victories in that game, 21-19, over the Crusaders. We then had the Blues over in Japan playing Sunglife. They racked up nearly a cricket score in that game, really. 43 to 7 was the final score there. Uh and then this afternoon in out in Australia time we had the Chiefs playing the Santama Wild Knights and it was 38-14 to the Wild Knights in that game. So there was some pretty big results for the Kiwi sides. Um the final game of the round, which I think even was played on Friday last week. So in some ways it was probably the first game to be played for the Kiwis was the the home derby which was the Highlanders hosting Moana Pacifica down in Queenstown I think it was and that was 36 28 to the Highlanders in that game if you haven't seen any of the socials or the photos make sure you do get onto either Moana Pacifica or the Highlanders socials because that has to be the most beautiful looking rugby field in the world it's just it's got the backdrop of the, of the Queenstown, the lake, the, the mountains, just absolutely fantastic. But actually focusing now on the results, Lockie, which one of these jumps out to you as the biggest probably upset of the weekend?
0: Oh, it's just great to see the New Zealand teams touring. I think that's a brilliant addition to the preseason schedule. But the best result for me is uh, Wild Knights getting up over the Chiefs. How good is that to see a La League One team um, and not doing it you know, by a scrap? 38 points to 14 is a, a serious scoreline. So props to Wild Knights for getting up and getting it done. Obviously, lots of Kiwis, lots of Aussies in there, Marika running around too. So um, they didn't hold back. And I guess in the middle of their League One season, they're probably firing on more cylinders than the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I was coming into this and looking at the results and that Blues game, I was sort of preparing myself to sort of just highlight that uh, ongoing conversation that's been around rugby for a while now and saying that we need to have Japan presence back in Super Rugby. And then if we, even if we had a crossover competition post Super Rugby Pacific at the end of the season for the winners, you know, how would that look? And I was going to use that as my sort of highlight to say, well, let's maybe just ex- see what results, these are the results we might expect if we have the winner of Super Rugby Pacific against the winner of League One, we're getting cricket scores like that. But then the Wild Knights absolutely dust up the Chiefs and so I've got the Chiefs as one of my hot favourites for Super Rugby Pacific in 2024 and they've gone down quite convincingly in the opening game of the year. So that shuts me up and throws that whole sort of conversation out the window.
0: Well, we're going to get stuck here for too long if we talk about a Pacific Champions Cup, which is my rugby wet dream, frankly, to merge all that together. But, yeah, so great to see Saitama running around. Um, also, just with Moana as well, before we move to the Aussies, how good to see uh, Sikopi Kepu um, back out there playing for Moana. There was a great photo that we shared through scrum bags um, of him and Christian Leliofano. I just thought... What a treat to have those two Wallabies still playing Super Rugby.
1: And so good to see him back playing rugby again. Like last whole last year off through injury, whether we were going to see him back on a rugby field at all, was there were questions around that. And he got through the trial game without injury and he's back playing and he looks fit as. So I'm expecting a big season from Sakopi Kepu in 2024. Let's keep the conversation moving and move into the area that people want to hear about. And that is the Aussie results. So we had three games over the weekend. Uh, the first game we've got on our screen if you are following at home is the waratahs and the melbourne rebels now this is a bit of an upset for a lot of i think a lot of people that didn't get a chance to follow this game unfortunately out of the three games or even all of the games that were played over the weekend this is one of the only ones that wasn't streamed in some capacity so there was no way to follow it uh as a fan at home but the final result was 38 to 12 to the melbourne rebels now there is a little bit of conjecture over the final score Waratahs were, were saying it was 38 to 19. The Rebels were saying it was 38 to 12. And I think even at, at the park, it was 39 to 12. So what the final score is, I'm not 100% sure, but the Melbourne Rebels convincingly got the win. That's
0: just trial match put in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, like running the scoreboard, not concentrating. Someone at Moorabbin Rams is running the bar instead of the numbers. <laughs> it's, it's good to see. Um, but there was an interesting report that came out about this one out of AAP, really talking up Lucan Loto. From this game, um, and Josh Cannum in the second row. So a lot of emphasis on that. Um, that tall timber there for the Rebels moving forward. Uh Daniel Maiava also gets a shout-out, a young fella who coincidentally another second row. So maybe all that chat about the Rebels' big engine room might be starting to pay off.
1: Yeah, and from what was reported after the game, this is the Rebels' first preseason win in three seasons, as Nick Styles was quoted as saying. So this that's massive for the club, massive for this playing group, just for them to to come away with a victory and and what he said this means to the the wider playing group as well that so they're putting in so much effort into this preseason. and if you haven't listened to our interview that's a great segue do go back and listen to that last week with nick styles he did mention that spe- specifically in that interview that they've changed the way they're training in 2024 they've got a whole new system they're really focusing on getting the players fit and and ready to play high up 10 high up high octane that's the word rugby and tempo and octane together oh i don't know what i was trying to say but it just didn't come (laughs) out whatever it was uh but that's a great result for the rebels now we'll keep moving i do have a question to ask you lucky that we'll come back to um in our results when we wrap wrap, all of this but the next game was actually we'll we'll save the reds for last because you were there at that game you'll have a little bit more to talk about it so the the final round game was the Brumbies playing the Fijian Drua. Now that was played down at Viking Park in Canberra. Final score was 43 to the Brumbies. This game was streamed, I believe on Bar Sports TV. So there are, there was some fans who were able to tune in and watch this game. Unfortunately, both myself and Lockie weren't able to tune in and watch that. So we haven't got a great idea of how that game did play out and how it sort of looked. But I did, I was following the score a little bit on Twitter. And from what I saw, the Drua were ahead for a lot of the game. Uh, and the Brumbies did come back late to seal the victory. So, forty-three forty in a trial game is a great result, regardless. That's a lot of tries scored. Both teams having the right attitude and wanting to score tries and run the ball where where they can. Um, what what so? What else can we say about this one, Lucky?
0: Oh, it's it's a good one. I've pulled up a report from uh, Canberra Times, and they've said about two and a half thousand fans came down to one of the community fields, Viking Park. To watch this one and overall 13 tries it's a pretty good sign of a good game so seven tries to the brums six to the Drua, and the Drua you're right got out to a 28-7 lead before the brumbies slowly reeled them in so um chatting after the game stephen larkham says that the team wants to continue to play an entertaining style of rugby um, to attract bigger crowds to canberra maybe a bit of a divergence from the sort of brumbies of yore which is very much grind your way up kick for touch and maul it over so maybe we'll see a bit more running brumbies rugby Um, Fans from 2000 to 2004, keep your fingers crossed. Maybe a bit of the good (laughs) stuff coming your way again. But um, pretty exciting to see um, nice, fast-paced footy, at least early in the season.
1: Yeah, really looking forward to seeing how both of those teams fare in Super Rugby in 2024. Now, the final game that we will focus on in this section is the Reds hosting the Western Force. Now, this was a win to the Western Force, which is timely for our Western Force preview this week. Uh, 21-19 was the final score in this game, and the Western Force led for a long period of time in this game. The Reds did come back late, and it was only, I believe, um, a penalty by Ian Pryor that ended up getting them ahead at the at the death to win the game. Uh, but, Lockie, you were at the game. What were your sort of takeaways from this?
0: Yeah, well, look, it was an interesting game split over three 30-minute periods. So there was actually a lot of rugby played, uh, more than you'll find in your regular games, and so much turnover with teams rolling subs. I mean, it was a bit of a free-for-all. So it did get a little messy. But what I noticed were uh, the main style differences coming out. So they both scored three tries, um, but the Reds under Les Kiss really wanting to move the ball wide early. So they're really expansive with their play. They looked to offload a lot. they played out the back of pods. Uh, a lot of errors that came with that as well. So uh, plenty of drop ball that probably stopped a few of their scoring opportunities. Uh, the fourths looked really good in tight. And they didn't offer as much out wide, but they had really good counter attack. So they kicked well through Ben Donaldson, finds Lilia Wassa and then they countered really well. Um, so it was yeah strange to see those style changes. I think the Reds could be a very entertaining team this year. Um, but to see the Force grind out a win was massive. And post game um, chatting with Coach Simon Cron, he'll be um, interviewed later in the week with the boys. Um, he said that he was just thrilled to get that because. Mitch, it's been so long since they've won on the road.
1: Yeah, and we'll, we will touch back on that later in this in this preview when we look at their twenty twenty three season. Uh, one of the things that I or the takeaways that I've had from this first weekend of trials for Super Rugby Pacific, mainly focusing on the Waratahs and the Reds game, that for mine really, and you le- you let me know if I'm wrong here, Lucky, but it kind of felt like there was two different styles of teams or two approaches of how teams wanted to take these trials. Uh, and probably the teams that won the game came away, that had the different trial, had a different approach to it. So I kind of thought that both the rebels and the Western force have come in with a pretty strong pre-season under their, uh, under their belts and use this trial to really play the style of game plan that they want to play in 2024 and were focused on getting the win. Whereas the Waratahs and the Reds were maybe using this as a traditional trial game, um, huge squad numbers 33 players I think across both squads testing combinations the Reds particularly testing completely new setups in terms of attacking and defensive styles as you said trying to throw the ball wide and just not passes not going to hand or losing it in the contact and for them it wasn't so much about winning the game so much as it was about let's see what you know combinations we can put on the field those things that we've been we've been training but haven't really been tested at, at, at our own home bases. Let's see how that goes up against a team that isn't expecting it. Uh, and so we've had these two games that come out and I mean, all credit to the Brumby uh, to the rebels and the, the Western force, like they're two great victories for them and the two clubs that definitely do need wins. And it's great to see that they did get the wins, but I just wonder if we had four teams that really were going in there to get the chocolates as much as, um, above anything like do or die basically come the season if we might have seen different results
0: oh for sure and for these teams as well i mean uh they mentioned uh it was michael wells after the game who was running as four skipper talking about how winning needs to be a habit for them too and you set those expectations early in the season i think for the fourth and the rebels it's critical that they do that as well they missed out on finals last year they haven't played full finals in super rugby they need to bank this habit now and early and start cashing and in heading into the season, particularly heading into Super Round with, I think, both teams having you know, home games within those first two rounds. Melbourne needing to draw a big crowd to Super. They need to start banking some hype early. So I'm pleased for them. Um, also, just quickly, we had the ACT Brumbies women. They also had a trial game. Mitch, they took on Hong Kong-China, got up 33 points to 19. And really interesting to see um, Wallaroo's breakout star from last year, Fytala Maleka usually plays at fullback she was jumping in at fly half so maybe right. a bit of development there um, on the road to is heading into uh, this season and maybe into the World Cup next year
1: yeah fantastic so let's um I am conscious of the time and how long we do have for these podcasts so let's keep moving on and get into our western force preview. okay let's get into the western force preview now we're going to start things off like we did last year for the uh, last week for the melbourne rebels with some trivia now ando's not here this week so he's going to be zero from two weeks with no points lucky this is uh-huh. your opportunity to really get ahead on the charts and Ooh. um and and stream ahead so let's get into it so the western uh-huh. force trivia our first question in what year did the western force first play super rugby Is it A, 2004, B, 2005, or C, 2006? I'm going to lock in C, 2006. Correct. So first one, correct. Uh, Question two, who was the Western Force's maiden captain? We've got A, Matt Hodgson, B, Nathan Sharp, or C, Matt Gitto?
0: Well, that's a trick question because Hodjo's been there forever, but I think it's been Nathan Sharp because
1: they pinched him from the Reds. It is well done. Looks like you're going. You know, you are Western Force. That's great. You're already further ahead than Simo was last year. So well done. And <laughs> then, and for those playing along on YouTube, sorry, there sorry. is a fantastic photo of Nathan Sharp in his Western oh, Force good outfit.
0: Rooster, what a kit!
1: Yep, what a kit. Question three: The Western Force were reintroduced into Super Rugby in 2020. Who did they claim their first victory over? Was it a new south wales waratahs b queensland reds or c melbourne rebels
0: that's interesting Ah, uh, i want to say c melbourne rebels because i think that was that grudge match but i'm not sure let's go see
1: now this is a bit of a trick question uh the answer is a new south wales uh. waratahs now the trick comes in they were winless in 2020 in their first season back in super rugby but in 2021 that was the Waratahs' win the season, and they did get a victory over them at, oh, that's not fair. in Parramatta. So, a little bit of a trick question there, well done. but well done. you fell for it. So, this is also this is a bonus question. Let's see if you can get <laughs> this for an extra point. So, how many days had it been since their last victory in Super Rugby when they did get that victory over the Waratahs? Was it A, 995 days, B, 1,210 days, or C, 1,329 days?
0: I've no idea. Let's go B, middle path.
1: Oh, no. Double fail for that one. It was 1,329 days since their last victory in Super Rugby. We'll keep moving. Question four. Who is the most capped player for the Western Force? Hint, they have 141 caps. Is it A, Matt Giddo? Is it B, Matt Hodgson? Or is it C? Oh, I've spelt Nathan Sharp wrong there. Nate Sharp. We're going Nathan Nath 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 to his
0: mates, which we clearly are. <laughs> Uh, No, that that one's a given. That one is the legend, Matt Hodgson.
1: Ding, 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 ding. Well done. So you're you're doing really well, actually. you sure you're not a Western Force fan?
0: I've always been a closet Western Force fan because they pinch all the Reds flyers.
1: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Question five, what is the name of the stadium that the Western Force call home in 2024? Is it A, Subiaco Oval? Is it B, the Force Field? Or is it C, HBF Park?
0: It is one, oh, I love the Force Field. It is good fun, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be HBF Park again.
1: Correct. Well done. So uh, other than question three that really did throw you for six, you've got four from five. So well done. i four playing. from
0: five any day for the fourth.
1: Well done. Well done. Maybe I should have made those a little bit harder, but no, you did well. So well done for that. Let's uh, let's keep moving. If you did play along at home, you are and Force fans, you let us know how you did. If you did get those bonus questions, question three, if you got that right, let us know. And well done to you. Lucky and well done to those playing along at home. So let's crack into our preview for the Western Force in 2024. Now, to do that, we will start off by looking at their season in 2023. Now, not a great season overall for the Western Force. Some highlights, obviously, but they did finish 10th. They didn't make the playoffs. They had five wins and nine losses. Uh, Their key games we've gone with are all of their home games by the Chiefs. Uh, in their final round of Super Rugby in 2023 because they won every single game at home, regardless of who they played other than the Chiefs, which they did end up losing. Uh, For their best performance, we had 45-42 loss to the Hurricanes in New Zealand. Now, that one was a pretty unusual game by a lot of standards. What, Lockie, do you remember the we were talking about just before we hit record for the pod, like six minutes from full time, the Rebels were uh, the Western Force were down. How many points?
0: Oh, it was ridiculous. So they were down uh, by oh goodness, it was I'm like twenty eight sure to forty five or something. Hur- oh, they were they were streets ahead. So the Hurricanes were out at um forty five, and I think they I think the Waratahs, I mean, the oh, sorry, the Waratahs. The Western Force had only scored <laughs> two tries, so it would have been forty five to fourteen, just about. And then there was this outrageous sort of run from the 65th, maybe, to the end, where they scored four tries, including one in the 85th minute to get another losing bonus point. And we are going to remember, this came off the back of a three-game tour to New Zealand as well. So this was the third after going to Invercargill to play the Highlanders, then going to Auckland to play the Blues, I'm pretty sure. And then they went back down to Palmerston and managed to pull that out in the last 15 minutes of the game. So to me, it showed serious grit and against, yeah, sure, maybe a Hurricanes team that had switched off, but that's a stack of points to put on at the end of a long tour like that.
1: And the effects that that had on the Hurricanes overall season as well, like they were winning with a bonus point and then they ended up lo- losing the winning bonus point and the Force were able to take, take a losing bonus point by coming so close at the end there. It was a massive performance by the Force. The other game that we've highlighted as their best performance was their 34-19 win over the Brumbies. That one was also at home. There was a lot of talk in the week leading up to that that the Brumbies had pretty much secured themselves a home quarterfinal uh, in Canberra, that they couldn't do much to lose that. And then they sent, in some ways, a, a pretty weak inside over to Perth and, the the young pups absolutely punished them for it. Young Pups
0: going to eat them up. That was Flau Funga oh, going into that one against his old teammates. And they did. They smashed them. Um, Three tries in the first 20 minutes, I reckon. I know Hamish Stewart scored a really good one, and then they rolled out, or was it, 34-19 winners, and they really tanked the Brumbies' finals chances with that one. It was a huge blow. Sure, they rested players, but they had to win at home to do it, and they did it in style.
1: Yeah, so looking overall at the 2023 season for the Western Force, our takeaways were they only lost once at home all year, which was an incredible performance, and... Uh, Even when you look at the... that They went to New Zealand and played the Highlanders, like you said, in Invercargill, and they got smashed. And then maybe three weeks later, they played the Highlanders in Perth and they smashed them. So Mm. it it was almost like they were unbeatable. They couldn't lose at home. Uh, But then when they went away from home, they struggled and they didn't get many wins on the road last year, if any. So
0: that's the story of their season, Mitch. And some of those scores were real blowouts too. Like late in the piece when the force was still in the finals frame, going to Melbourne and getting pumped 52-14 really threw them out of contention. Same deal over in um, uh, Christchurch, which is no one's favourite place to play, but 48 points to 13 against the Seders. Um It happened again, most notably, in Super Round. Queensland Reds come out. Oh, sorry, that was – oh, yeah, it was. Queensland Reds come out during Super yep. Round. And what did they put on them, 70?
1: Yeah, it was, I think, 70 to – um 71 to hear. 20 yeah
0: 71 to 20 wow
1: just an absolute decimation there so and they are uh, won the game before in week 1 34 27 over the rebels which everyone was expecting the rebels for that grudge match to get up as well so they came in there with a bit of a uh, a pep in their step and got absolutely de- de- decimated by the reds so not a great win there let's um let's keep moving though and let's start looking at their squad for 2024 so I'll run through their forwards and, Loki like, you take the backs. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll read through all of their their players and we might talk about one or two of their key signings. So in the propping department, we've got C.R.C. Amone, Charlie Hancock, Harry Hooper, Santiago Medrano, Artu Molly, and Angus Wagner. At Hookers, which is uh, an area that we will talk about in a little bit more detail, they're very light on with only two players named, Tom Horton, Fleety Kaitu. At locks, they've got Lapeti Faifu, Philip felix kalapu isaac Rodder, and jeremy williams and in their back row we've got tim anstey ollie callan will harris jackson pew palin Savalli carlo tisano and michael wells now there are some big names in that forward pack for the western force which ones jump out to you is going to be really influential in their success in 2024
0: first one that jumps out at me is isaac Rodder, but i'm so worried about his ability to get back on the park we've heard sort of around the traps that the foot injury is recurring and has flared up again. And we didn't see, you know, much, if any, of Isaac Rodder last year. For someone who's such a big signing, you know, he's a wallaby, World Cup wallaby for twenty nineteen as well, and was touted as the future of locks in Australia a few years back. We haven't seen enough of him and they need him.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be really important that they get big minutes from him in twenty twenty four and and even the experience that he brings and the leadership that he brings to this team um, they've got some really exciting names, but they haven't got a whole lot of experience stalwarts in super rugby. So that that's going to be an area that they will struggle in. I'm really looking forward to seeing how some of their back row stocks go. We saw Carlo Tizano when he signed with the force towards the end of last season, just absolutely came in and had a field day with any opposition he was up against, just getting turnovers left, right and center and smacking boats all over the park. Uh, Michael Wells is that influential leader that we know. Uh, Regardless of how many minutes he plays, he lifts the teams and the players around him. He may not be that player that's going to turn a game in his favor, but he just has that leadership quality that everyone else around him plays so much better when he is there. And just for his sake, purely, I hope the Western Force can get a few more wins because the last two or three seasons of him being captain and having to do those post-match press conferences and interviews when his team's just been smacked by 30 points you could really see that he wore his heart on his sleeve in those ones.
0: 100%. Let's go up over the backs now, Mitch. We'll start off with our scrum halves. A lot of experience there with Isaac Fiennes, Lily Wasa, Ian Pryor, and Nick White all in the halves. Fly half as well. Got some depth there with Max Bury, Ben Donaldson, and Rijan Pazitoa. In the centres, we have Ollie Cummins, Nikolai Feliarki, Bailey Kunzel, Henry O'Donnell, Campbell Parada, Sam Spink, and Hamish Stewart. Uh outside backs, we have listed George Pullman, Harry Potter, and Chase Tia Tia. Plenty to chew through there. Plenty of centers, Mitch, but give us a name that sticks out from that list.
1: Look, there's actually a name that doesn't that isn't officially featured here because he's not officially on a contract yet, but did play some minutes for the Western Force over the weekend, and that's Tunkeli Nairavoro. And we know what a type is of player he game? is, what he can bring. I think he's currently sitting on something like 132 kilos He's just an absolute monster. And so uh, he had some involvements on the weekend. He looked good. Whether he can get that, that that weight down a little bit and get himself a full-time contract is still to be seen. But the fact that he's getting minutes in a trial match is, is a good sign for him. Um, if he can sign for the Western Force and get that full-time contract, he's just going to add so much talent to that outside backs that we've already seen. Um, with the likes of Harry Potter focusing on the performance last uh, this weekend against the reds harry potter just made so many things magically appear has to be said uh, almost making things out of nothing but his performance in in this series for the western force uh is yeah he's a he's a player to watch he's really exciting it's going to be really awesome to see how he can combine with the centers and the fly halves to really unleash this backline for the western force in 2024
0: you couldn't help yourself, could you? There had to be a little magic touch in there. So I, I write the same thing. I write I a similar line. But I wanted to highlight the second try that uh, Harry Potter scored at Ballymore. It was really, really good work, right? He was involved in the play early, had a touch, got tackled, then got back up off the deck and was supporting inside line um, for Tom Horton's offload and then beat Jordan Pataille on the tackle to score. So like, there's plenty to like about him. He was real standout of the Cheetah's uh, Spring Series as well. That four games um, back and forth from South Africa, and he will be one to watch. But just in the centres there, I'm really excited to see how Henry O'Donnell goes. Um, huge wraps of him coming out of Junior Wallabies, coming across from the North's um, program, I believe, in Shoot Shield, and adding to that, you know, Simon Cron North's list there, Max Murray and <laughs> Co. Who are all sort of dragged along. But it's looking exciting to see what they've got in their stocks. Pazatoa also got some minutes in the trial game. Looks really good, looks solid and was really willing to take on contact. And we haven't even seen Nick White and Forsky yet. So lots to like about the backs.
1: Yeah, really a lot to like there for the Western Force. Let's go through their signings and departures. So I'll run through their signings. Lucky, you go through their departures and we'll focus on one or two names that really stand out. So for the signings, we've got Harry Hooper, Atu Molly, Lepeti Fifu, Will Harris, Palin Savell, Nick White, Ben Donaldson, Nikolai Folokai, Henry O'Donnell, Campbell Parata, Sam Spink, and the magic man himself, Harry Potter.
0: Over in departures, we have Bo Abra, Tom Robertson, who's on a sabbatical uh, studying over in the UK. Uh, and that Andrew way Romano. there is that
1: little little asterisk next to it. Technically, say, he, so? he isn't playing for the force in 2024, but he still He'll signed a right. contract and he will be back for them.
0: He'll be back. Um, yeah, along with Tom Robertson being away, Andrew Romano, Blaufine Ga'ar, Jack Winchester, Ryan McCauley, Will Sankey, Kane Koteka, Ned Slack-Smith, Henry Robertson, Bryce Hegarty, Grayson Makara, Daniel Ala Jake Strawn, Manasa Mattaele, Tony Pulu, Reese Tapanay and Rupeni Mattaele. So plenty of names on that side. One that stood out to me straight away, Mitch, um, Manasa Mattaele, over at the Crusaders now, but he was such a strike weapon for them on the wing.
1: He really was, and... I don't know if he ever got to the match fitness or the amount of game time and impact that we have come to expect from him or that we saw in the Crusaders in the past. Uh, He definitely had some really highlight touches and highlight reels for the Western Force. And he is the kind of player that you probably would have liked to have seen stick around for the Force just for that experience and that kind of next level that when you you go to your sort of reserves and go to your bench that he can come on and, and lift the tempo and lift the experience of the players around him uh but it is what it is he is he is he did do his juniors in um christchurch and he's gone home for that so that's unfortunate for the force i mean another player that jumps out to me in their departures list is bryce hegarty now he's a player that has been not so much like always talked about as like a, a general of australian rugby but he's just been that sort of stalwart that he can be relied upon when you need it that if you need something at a pinch He'll come up and he might not do amazing things and make the highlight reel every single week, but it'll just be consistently good and get the basics done right across the 80 minutes for the team. So um, there are some great signings. Ben Donaldson coming in to take that spot from him um, as a utility player that could play, you know, fullback or or number 10. Uh, But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, it, It will be exciting to see how Ben Donaldson does fare in this season.
0: Oh, he's a huge inclusion, and just on Hegarty, I mean, proper journeyman covering 10-15, racked up, I think, 30 caps across the Tars, 30 caps at the Rebels, 40-odd at the Reds, and he was at the Force too, so heaps of experience out the window. They do have an interesting signing there in Campbell Parada as well, come across from the Tasman program in New Zealand, as a playmaker too with Donaldson, so plenty to like about it. But uh, I think Will Harris is going to be a huge inclusion in the back row too. another big body with some go-forward.
1: We do actually have another signing that I haven't included here that I've just thought of, and that's the former all black second row.
0: Oh, Maori, all black second row Tom Franklin.
1: That's right. Yeah. We haven't included him in this signings either. So he's another player that's going to add some good experience and depth to those second row positions.
0: Not being straight across. I think that's just about it for our signings and departures. What's next up?
1: Let's get into our most valuable players. So we've highlighted four players that are going to be the most influential, we think, for the Western Force in 2024. Um, we've gone with Isaac Rodder, Ben Donaldson, Nick White, and Tom Horton. Now, some of these players are selected for various reasons. A player like Isaac Rodder or Nick White, uh, we're going with them purely for the experience that they bring, the fact that they have that many caps, whatever that number is, for the Wallabies, that they can come into any They could probably fit into any Australian Super Rugby outfit and just increase the players around them. Uh, And having their injection is just going to make this team that much better. Uh, Nick White is probably a little bit more influential than Isaac Rotter purely from what he can do from a a, skill set base and the fact that he can increase the tempo of the game and the influence he can have on the game itself. But as you highlighted earlier, Isaac Rotter has not played minutes for the Western Force in nearly two seasons now. And having him on the books and paying for him and going through rehab, um, that's a player that they're really going to be keen to see if he can get minutes for them in
0: 2024. Oh, 100%. And I'd wager that's why Tom Franklin was a good draw card for them late in this piece, getting across another experienced lock. I'd imagine Jeremy Williams also has a big role to play. He was a bit of a standout last year in the row. And I dare say that he'll be up there calling some lineouts, really pushing to become that premier lock. If Isaac Rodder's not up in action this year, there is an opportunity for someone to really cement themselves as the big dog at the force. And Williams on current trajectory could be that player. But we mentioned before with the hooking stocks, Mitch, Tom Horton and Filetty Kaitu have massive roles to play, given that they're the only two included in the formal squad. And while Kaitu has wallaby experience, Tommy Horton really gunning to become that premier number two over in the West.
1: And with Felicity too in his his injuries last season, he was he got didn't get a lot of minutes for the Western Force. So, you know, in a an, ev- an average twenty three for a Super Rugby side, you're going to have one starting hooker and one reserve hooker. You have to have that. So, if they get an injury, all of a sudden they're now looking at, pretend, at bringing in someone outside of the squad to cover that that depth or or shifting, uh, a prop into hooker to be able to contest at the break at the, at the scrum. So I'm sure there's more to this story. There's more plans going on behind the scenes that we're just not aware of, but only having two hookers listed in a, in a a 35 or 33 man squad is very unusual.
0: Yeah. it will be a question for Croner. I'm sure there's one flying under the radar that we haven't quite spotted yet, but, um, yeah, Kaitu as well. Uh, Simon mentioned post-game at the Ballymore trial on Saturday that Filetti had found it really important to get across and play his NPC season at Tasman just to get those minutes under the belt. So he is up to speed. He got some good time out there at Ballymore. I reckon that's top of the pops when we're chatting with Crony Laudan and the work.
1: And we've got Ben Donaldson listed there as well. Now, we know that he is the incumbent Wallabies fly half at, at the current time, no matter if you agree with that or not. He was the the fly half for the Wallabies at the World Cup yeah. um, when Carter Gordon went off injured. So we can expect him to play big minutes in 2024 for the Western Force, and his versatility will be integral to their success, whether he does play 15 or 10. Um, we've got him there as their most valuable player. Now, this is a little bit of a dig, but with Isaac and Nick White, and Ben Donaldson all listed here, another thing is the fans are hoping that we can get some more representation in the Wallaby squad under Joe Schmidt from the Western Force. It's been very light on in recent years. So including these guys, I think is there's a good shout that at least two of them hopefully should make a Wallaby squad.
0: I'd, I'd say so. And with Benny Donaldson, it was good to see him in the trial, sort of swapping between 10 and 15, floating between them. He worked with Max Beery quite well. And his first few touches, first to put Hamish Stewart away for the line break and then set up Harry Potter's first try. McDonough looks in good nick.
1: Let's keep going and we'll move into our season predictions for the Western Force. Now, we've predicted or I've predicted them to finish ninth overall in 2024. That does see them outside the top eight and not making finals. Lockie, do you think that's a fair representation or a fair finishing for the Force or do you see them finishing maybe a little bit higher up?
0: I'd love to see them finishing higher. Maybe that's more with my heart than my head, but I'm convinced that after years of just falling outside it, that they can push into the top eight for the first time. God knows they deserve it. I reckon this is the year with the recruitment that they've done. If they can all keep on the paddock, they're going to make that top eight.
1: All right. So looking at their strengths for 2024, we've gone with their playmakers. Now, talk a little bit more about this, Lachie. What what do you think? What is it about their playmakers and their scrum halves that's really going to make them uh, successful in 2024?
0: I think just the versatility, Mitch, with regards to having... Uh, 9, 10, and 12, really well covered with ball handlers, plus out the back at 15. Obviously, finds Lily Wasa and White, incumbent World Cup scrum halves, which is great to see. Ian Pryor's won Super Rugby comps. He's been around forever. And then looking at the 10-15 axis, Pasatoa, Donaldson, Bury, Hamish Stewart are all ball players who are now experienced and settled at a Super Rugby level. So there's going to be plenty of competition and driving that competition across those three roles, I think has been key to fostering this, I think, competitiveness, or at least the optimism that I feel about the force being able to do well. Where I am worried, and I'm sure you can agree, Mitch, is back in our front row.
1: Yeah, the front row depth, we, we spoke about it before with hookers, but even just with their props as well, there's not a whole lot of depth there. And if they take one or two injuries, then the talent and the experience level does drop off quite drastically. So if they take one injury to a prop, uh, a hooker, or a prop early in the season it has the potential to depower their whole front row their whole forward pack and without a, a forward pack that's going to compete then they're not going to be able to really get good ball for their backline that we've just spoken about you mentioned it in the trial game this weekend that even with their forward pack fit and playing big minutes um they weren't dominant over the reds like they got penalties and they They won their own ball, but they weren't dominant. They weren't pushing the Reds around and they weren't winning ball against the feed.
0: No, I I think the scrum battle was very clearly won by Queensland, especially in the second of the three periods. I think the Reds churned out two or three scrum penalties and marched them back well. So, sure, it's a trial match, take it with a pinch of salt, but scrum power is something that does concern me for the force.
1: Now, back on the strengths, we have also highlighted their second and back row. So we think that the depth they've got there and um, with tom franklin also that we didn't even include earlier in the slides they do have some they do have some really good talent there and have the ability to cover that 23 quite successfully and even with squad rotation i think they've got the players there that can come in and do a job for them and play really well at this level will harris is another player that's come across from new south wales we haven't mentioned yet that played really well for them in the trial he was everywhere he was putting in big hits wasn't afraid of getting his hands on the ball um, we've seen what he can do in a sky blue jersey. Now we can see what he can do in a different shade of blue jersey for the Western Force.
0: I was waiting to see how long it'd be and turn
1: it into a TARS preview. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to say about their season predictions for the Western Force? Or show we move into the jerseys? Let's rip across to the jerseys, because I'm
0: really keen for this one. I thought that they have done a really good style change with the jerseys. People have commented on across both accounts, I think, that we run talking about, oh, they're a little bit leggy, but I love it. I love what they've done with the sort of geometrically crossings. The black and yellow away jersey is really striking, and it comes off the back of that nice sort of gold and black hoops from last year. I think they've nailed the brief, Mitch.
1: I really liked their away jersey last year, and I was when I was doing the preview for this and getting the slides all together, I did see that on the Dynasty Store They had um, a sale on the 2023 away jersey, and I um, was very nearly keen to get my hands on that, but it was unfortunately sold out, which goes to show that there is support for the Western Force and they are willing to put their money where their mouth is and and pay good money for good jerseys. One thing, looking at both of these um, strips, so we've got the home strip and the away strip on screen if you're listening on the podcast. One thing that is a little bit more evident on the away strip purely because it is a graphic, as opposed to an actual photo of the Jersey, like the home one on the away strip, you can really see the indigenous design that's coming through at the base of the Jersey. Now that element is also there on the home Jersey as well. So there is that indigenous element that's incorporated into both the home and the away. I think I said a few weeks ago on the Waratahs, our Waratahs preview that the Waratahs were the first team in super rugby to have a dedicated away indigenous strip. Now I have been corrected on Twitter. The Brumbies did, in 2023 or 2022, did have an away strip as their um, their full season away strip, an Indigenous design incorporated into that. So I do um, apologise for that. I was probably getting a little bit excited at how good that strip did look. But (laughs) the fact that they have incorporated in a really nice, elegant way that doesn't take away from the rest of the jersey, back to the Western Force, that Indigenous design, I think, is a real winner. Huge win. Connect to your land, connect to your club. It's just a great thing to see um, these teams doing. It is a little bit of a shame that Ultrad seems to take up so much of the jersey and the way that the logo is so prominent on the the front, it almost seems like the jersey has been designed to reflect the kind of, I don't even know what they are, wings of that logo, that the sort of chevrons above the jersey sort of stop when it gets to the Ultrad logo. That's a little bit of a shame. It would have been good to see um, it not look so prominently I don't know, incorporating the jersey sponsor there, but I guess that's a big thing and they pay big money for it. So that is what it is. It's what it is. All right. Well, that's it then for the jerseys. These look great. Lucky if you had to put your money and buy one of these, which would you be going for, the home or the away?
0: I'd pick up the away jersey. That looks clean. That's just a nice design.
1: It is. And uh, black and, and gold always goes together really well. I wonder if we can see something similar for that in 2025 when we get that Kiwi that Aussie Anzac sort of jersey that's coming up for the Lions series. That maybe they can take some inspiration from the force there. Oh, yeah. Calling it out early. Calling it out early. Anyway, that's uh, that brings us to the end of our uh, preview for the Western Force. As we did say in the intro, if you're still listening on, thank you for getting to this part of the podcast. We do have our interview coming out later this week with Simon Cron. It's not too late to send your questions and thoughts in. Please do send them in. Have a look on our socials. At this point, we don't know when that interview is happening, whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday, but it will hopefully happen sometime this week. Do send those questions in because we love to ask your questions to the Super Rugby coaches. Lockie, thanks for joining me this week. And hopefully you're enjoying whatever you're doing, something not rugby related, so we're not even going to bother focusing on it. But we will be back later in the week and we'll be back next week to preview another Super Rugby team. Thanks for getting to this part of the podcast. We'll see you next week. Bye.